Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. Zabilski three on two to Wall in the middle up and good. Three on two fast break. Executed the perfection. Here comes Shields the other way. Oh, Boston, Welcome to Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here as always with Carter Thompson and Mark Margolis. And we're really excited to be back this week to talk about everything Penn Athletics. We're also really excited because it's Halloween and it's also Sam's birthday. Woo! Awesome. Happy oh, birthday, Sam. Sam. Thank you very much. I am uh, 20 years old, but even in my old age, the takes will be just as hot as ever. So don't worry. What is your biggest life advice to anyone under 20? as a now 20 year old. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> this you can tell this was not scripted because this uh, caught me completely off guard. Um, let's see, I, I would say my biggest life advice, Carter, would be to uh, just be yourself. Just go out there every day and, uh, and, and, and do your best and, you know, just... <laughs> What a not this, is, this is incoherent rambling. What um, a not cliche, so genuine answer. You know? <laughs> this is so wholesome. <laughs> Sam is wholesome and drinking a Sam Adams. It's a, it's a, a Boston lager, and that's because uh, we're also celebrating. There's actually three things. It's Halloween, it's my birthday, and the Boston Red Sox are champions of the freaking world. So, cheers. Cheers to that. L'chaim. All right, so moving on... Uh, Penn football had a big win over uh, over Lowly Brown, and some could say it sparked a uh, quarterback controversy. So would uh, love to hear some of your thoughts about that uh, birthday boy and Carter. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it, I think, virtually every week this semester that we've been on the pod. Um, just when is Penn football going to give Nick Robinson a chance? And he finally got that chance over the weekend. Uh, we discussed last week whether um, you know we thought the fact that the season was kind of a lost cause at this point whether that meant that they were going to shake things up and it looked like they did and the results I mean it's a small sample size at this point and it was against Brown but it seemed promising um, the Quakers you know were, were able to get some real production with Robinson under center and uh, it's something to be hopeful about I think. Was there only a touchdown drive and like you know um, six for seven one touchdown I'd see, you know, I don't know, maybe he hasn't been showing it in practice, maybe he's a gamer, but he came to play, and, uh, you know, with the way the season's been going, they really squeaked by Brown, and 13-7, a win to win, but it's definitely a win you have to take with a grain of salt. I mean, this isn't a good Brown team. They haven't really, there hasn't really been a good Brown team in a long time, and, you know, we've won by less than a touchdown, and, uh, so... You know, who knows, uh, but I hope to see more. I personally hope to see more of Nick Robinson because he, uh, he did a lot with his chances. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the best way to put it. He kind of really just took advantage of the opportunity that was given to him this past week. And, you know, I think it's something to keep in mind as they get ready for Cornell this week is, you know, how much is he going to play? Like, you know, we've already seen Cornell get blown out by Princeton already this season. And so, you know, does the game against the Quakers follow a similar script where we see him in more garbage minutes? Or is he really getting meaningful playing time, kind of like he did in this game against Brown, leading the Quakers to victory in this muddy game? Yeah, I, it's 
it's definitely interesting. I mean, um, it's something that the, the Quakers should really, you know, I, we, we, we've, we've talked about this on, on previous podcasts, as I said, but like, it's something the Quakers really need to iron out. And it's not like they need to go into the offseason having made a decision. I mean, I think our main criticism of them has been that they make a decision too quickly. Um, but just getting more data on these guys, there's no reason, I mean, especially with, with all that the teams kind of you said they've been trying to do with, with analytics and, the, and that movement in football. Let's just get the data. Let's get some tape. Let's see what's going on with both these quarterbacks and see what we can put together next year. And, you know, before we uh, fully transition to basketball, look at what Donahue do- Coach Donahue does uh, with his lineups. I mean, he doesn't really decide a rotation till it seems like Ivy League playoffs. You know, he really w- he will try out any form of combination. I mean, remember last year, Jake Silpy hadn't played since his freshman year, and the first subs off the bench against Temple were Kuba, who I think those might have been his only significant minutes all year, and Jake Silpy. I mean, he's somewhat. I mean, it's really worked for basketball, really trying out and giving a lot of people opportunities, and you know, Coach Priori in this case would only have to give two people, you know, relatively even snaps, and he didn't do that for most of the season. But now, uh, we see how it works out. So. You know, there's the old adage, like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But if you decide on one too quickly, you still have none, you know? So. Right. That's totally true. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought up basketball because we actually have a lot to talk about today um, with basketball. The season's obviously not started. Um, we talked with Pollock last podcast about how we're really excited for the season to start. Um, we've gotten some early looks at the team, and they look really good. It's going to be a battle this year with Harvard and some of the other Ivy League teams, but... Um, we're obviously really excited about that. What we have to talk about, though, is slightly different, and that's that there's been some major news around Penn basketball recently. Um, and that, of course, was the revelation, I think, that came out yesterday that uh, they have, the athletics department has sold the naming rights for the court in the Palestra to some sort of a, what, like a financial firm or some, 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 some sort of asset management, bank. Investment, investment bank, bank. kind of kind of thing, and uh, we, we don't know how much they got, but what we do know is that the Palestra, which is of course one of the most iconic uh, basketball arenas in college basketball, now, you know, it's going to have a slightly different look to it. Um, it will now be Macquarie Court at the Palestra, which just rolls right off the tongue, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, people that are already familiar with this are probably familiar with it because they read a Flaming Hot column written by uh, sports editor Theo Papazakos. And so we are going to give him a quick call. Hopefully he is available right now and get some of those hot takes on the pod as well as uh, in the print DP. Yo. What's up, Theo? Uh, so we're, uh, we're recording the pod right now. So we just introduced uh, your flaming hot columns. So I guess uh, if you want to get, if you want to, you know, spell it out, your hot take, and we'll kind of discuss it for a little bit, and then, uh, you know, free to go back to the better things you were doing in your life. The floor is yours, buddy. Am I live on the air? You're um, live on the air. Is this loud enough? Is it, I mean, it's as loud as we're going to get it, I think. All right. The floor is yours, baby. Uh, what's up, guys? First time, long time. Um, glad to be on the show. <laughs> Happy to re- have you. Really glad to have you, Theo. So blessed. Um, yeah, so, what's up, what's, what's the question? Oh, so, so, yeah, basically we, um, 
we just talked briefly about the new changes that have been made and, and uh, mentioned your column, we wanted to get some uh, we wanted to get some takes directly from you and then, then like have kind of a short discussion. So why don't you tell us, like, y you, I think, have a pretty strong opinion about this decision by Calhoun and by the athletic department. Um, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the Palestra is, is not the best arena in college basketball. It, it's certainly up there. Um, and the charm of the place is... It's, it's an old-fashioned place. There's a ton of history. Um, it's Halloween, and, and I wrote, and I mentioned in the column that, you know, there are times when the ghosts in the place come alive, and you can really feel like the memories are, are active. Um, and it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's an exciting place. It's very historic. And the charm of it is that it's very old-fashioned. There's no air conditioning in the Palestra. Um, until very recently, there weren't chair backs in the palestra. It was just bleachers. Um, until very recently, there was no uh, sound system or scoreboard. Um, it was old-fashioned. Um, some of that stuff has changed, obviously. Um, a product of like technology and all that, but some of it shouldn't change. And the part that shouldn't change is the ads. Yeah, Uh it's really interesting. You know, this is obviously something that um, Penn is, it's not just in the Ivy League, it's around the country and the world that um, Penn is known for having this amazing basketball arena. Wh what would you kind of say to people who say, like, what's the big deal? It's just a name. You know, we should just take the money and run. Um, I mean, I think that's misguided. Um, the, the great thing about the Palestra is the tradition that is attached to it and the history that's attached to it and um if you don't call it the palestra anymore a lot of that is diminished if there's ads on the floor a lot of that is diminished um it's no longer the old barn that every big five game has been played in for however long it's all of a sudden just another court in philly and it's a smaller one than all the rest of them so what's the big deal um you know and so I, that's that's why I think it's it's important that the ads are there now, and, and honestly, it's a terrible decision in my opinion. Um, so I guess when you know when I was reading it, where I disagree is although in a perfect world, the ad wouldn't be there. I'm not going to necessarily disagree, but it seems like from what you're saying, it's as if this the ad merely being there takes away from like the entire history, tradition, and lore, and. In all honesty, it's a small, it's a small part of the floor. It's a relatively inconsequential, uh, you know. I feel like it's a relatively inconsequential like view. It's not like it's you know. It's not like it's at center court. So, you know, what I've had trouble and really takes away from like the lust and tradition of the palestra. I think regardless of who the court's named after, it's still like, the most historic arena in Philly, and it's still going to be a special, like, basketball haven. So, I so guess I mean, if, you, if you had to respond... First of all, the Palestra wasn't named after anybody, Mark. Uh, just to correct your history there. Um, Palestra is named after... It's actually a Greek word for um, the ancient Greek gymnasium. But anyways, that's irrelevant. Um, the, it takes away... I mean, think about this. Like, what was the most iconic moment of last season? It was Darnell Foreman hitting the three before halftime of the Action Championship. Where was that three from? It was from the uh, 
it was damn near the exact spot of where the ad is now. Don't you think it diminishes it when on the highlights and the replays and the photos of that iconic moment, there's an ad for an investment assets management group? In my opinion, I, I really don't care, like, if it's the blank... It'd be one thing if the entire... Like, it just happened to be that one shot happened to be from that specific spot. But, you know, like, an iconic moment could occur at anywhere on the court. It'd be one thing if it was, you know, taking up the entire court. Then I'd be like, yeah, that's a little extra. But, you know, like, that it's on the court a little bit, and basketball is going to be played, like, there. And I don't necessarily think just because there was a great moment that happened to be at the spot for an ad that we put there a year later. Like, it doesn't take away from the moments that will, ha- the great moments that will happen to Palestra in the future. You know, like... Let me ask you this, Mark. Do you like ads? Not particularly, but I don't think that this ad is... It's... it's I, mean, I prefer... I prefer it... That. I prefer it not be there. Don't get me wrong. But it's right, not... That's so, my point. But it... it come, but you've made points that it... It takes away from the entire history and lore, you know, and, like, the great tradition of the palestra. And I think although it's, like, yeah, it's a little annoying. It's, like, a classic pen thing to sell out to an investment management. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. But is it so detrimental? The fire alarm just went off in my building, guys. Uh... I guess my take was too fire. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming to put out your article. <laughs> um, I guess I'm gonna have to call you back. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Theo. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Theo. Stay safe. Uh, yeah, main takeaway is Mark is wrong. All right. You know what? We always encourage debate, and we'd be happy to discuss it further on future pods. But thank you for taking the time, Theo. Stay safe. Happy Halloween. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> we'll see ya. Wow, always good to have a member of DP Sports on the pod, especially when uh, we he get a flaming hot take. <laughs> yeah, great. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what people listening think about that, but uh, I mean, if you have opinions, I guess hit us up on Twitter. Many alums, both of DP Sports and of Penn in general, have already hit up um, the DP Sports Twitter account with some thoughts on this. I know it's uh, it's going to be something that continues to be very controversial and talked about so we may may have an opportunity to talk about it again we'll, we'll kind of see what what happens we'll hope that, yeah, if it, with theo's busy schedule we'll hope to have him on for more of an in-person debate yeah theo is uh one of the i mean it, it's actually not that small of a group but there's a number of members of our department that have not been on the podcast yet we're working on getting them all on here but uh we just seem to keep bringing back Pollock and Yossi every week, but... <laughs> yeah, we need to bring back Yossi less, though. <laughs> yeah. Where, but, where is Pollock? He usually uh, likes to come on for basketball. I think Pollock has been busy with schoolwork. Pretty sure he has class right now. Oh, yeah. okay. Fair. Well, shout out Pollock. Good luck with your class. Education, baby. Education is important. And you can find Theo's column and a lot more basketball content coming out this weekend when the basketball supplement publishes before the team's first game on Tuesday at George Mason. So also be sure to check that out. There are a lot of really good stories in it. And Absolutely. I think you'll, you'll all really enjoy it. I have a story in it. Do you guys have a story? I got a story. Carter's got a story. Um, I had a story. Unfortunately, the logistics didn't work out. I'm currently working um, on another feature. So it's TBD whether I will be uh, 
solely featured in the in the uh, in the basketball supplement. However, I will be editing all the articles, so just know my input. My inputs in all the content. Excellent. It'll be in everything. So, two and a half penalty box articles guaranteed. <laughs> uh, great. So make sure to check that out, um, both in print and digital. Um, all the stuff will be on the website as well. So great. Um, we wanted to also mention, uh, as it seems like we have been every week, Penn Women's Soccer. They've just been incredible. Um, they keep just rolling through, picking up wins. Uh, the wins over the weekend, though, were big ones, and not just because, uh, like in the past, they were big wins and, in, in the, you know, that they were scoring a lot of goals. It was a big win because Penn Women's Soccer clinched a share of the Ivy title with one game left to go in the season. Um, if they can beat Princeton, who trails by just a couple points, uh, they'll have sole ownership. Uh, a, a draw will also give them sole ownership of the, the title, and uh, a loss will allow the Tigers to snag a piece of it. So we've got a huge, essentially a championship or a title game coming up. Penn-Princeton, it's incredible. I mean, I'm so, so excited to see what this team does. They've had such an incredible season. They really, I mean, they... They started off looking really good, and we had a lot of questions. Are they going to be able to put it together in, in Ivy League play? And they've just been stunning. I mean, the, the back line has been locking people down all season. Kitty Q has let in so few goals, and the offensive production is just out of this world. I mean, it, insane. And, and, and we talk a lot about Emily Sands, but it's worth noting that, I mean, not, not that she has off games, because there's obviously a lot of things that she contributes to the offense, even when she's not scoring, but, but when she's not scoring, there's so many people on this team that step up and score. I mean, if you just look at the box score of one of these games, you'll, you'll see a whole bunch of, like, it's, even as someone who covers the team a lot, it's hard to almost keep track, because there's so many people on this team that are a threat to score every single night. Um, and so just a huge shout-out to them. They're really incredible. I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that. Yeah, I mean... It's just really been something to follow this year because I don't think any of us expected it, like Sam said. And so to see them kind of put it all together and now be in a spot where they're guaranteed part of the championship and with the chance to win it completely outright this weekend, I think it's just awesome. I'm so happy for all of them. and um, I just hope they keep it rolling. Certainly they'll be in the NCAA um, championship as well. Right. Um, that'll be really exciting. I'm sure it'll be fun to cover. Um, so we'll definitely have some more on them in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, and so we'll be sure to keep everyone updated on that. But uh, if you can, if you have a chance to go to one of those games, unfortunately, I believe we're away at Princeton. But um, if you know, for some reason you're you're going to be in New Jersey or or for a future NCAA tournament game, go watch this team. They're incredible. Um, great. So now we're going to talk a little bit about some marquee matchups in college football, as we have every week. I believe I was the only one to go perfect 3-0 and last week uh, with my picks of Georgia, Wazoo, and Penn State. Um, Carter, how, how are you doing so far? You know, I've, I've not done as well as I've wanted to. I certainly have room for improvement, but that's what this week is for, Sam. This is a week for improvement, and I'm very excited to see how I do after this weekend is over, after I've gone 3 on It's just going to be... So you're calling it? I'm calling it, 100%. Babe Ruth calling a shot. Calling my shot. <laughs> Deep to center, 3-0. and Amazing. Put it in writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm the middle man. I went 2-1. and one. Uh, 
pick Stanford over Washington State. My formula of best quarterback kind of went to waste given that it was tough to decide who the best quarterback was. So I picked uh, Stanford and it didn't work out. But um, this week I'm going to be pretty confident in my pick. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Great. Well, let's get into it. First up, we've got the marquee matchup of marquee matchups. A showdown between two incredible CC teams, including a team that is often talked about, uh, has not yet made it into the marquee matchups in this pod. Interpret that how you will. Do they play a soft schedule? I don't know. Um, but mean, they yes. are. <laughs> yes, they, they are do. this week. Uh, Bama at LSU. The line is Bama minus fifteen. Um, what do you boys think? Man, this one's a tough one for me because. I think that playing on the road at Death Valley at LSU is just an extremely, extremely difficult environment to play in. I think this game has all the makings of the famous game many years ago when it was 9-6 LSU, the year that both the teams met as a rematch in the national championship. Alabama came out on top. I think this game has all of those types of aspects, but for me, I think the tide's going to still roll. I just think Tua Tagovailoa is just too good, and I think that they just overpower the Tigers. Tua, Tua, Tua. I mean, this he, he, he could possibly go down as one of the best college quarterbacks ever. I mean, ever. The guy, what, this guy, what this guy does, I mean, he seems to finish games with more touchdowns than incompletions. He's certainly the best Alabama quarterback in recent memory. You know, for the first... First time in a long time, they don't necessarily just have a game manager. They have someone who wins them games. I mean, when's the last time we've seen Alabama go, like, five wide receivers in, like, the spread offense? I mean, they at times they look like a Pac-12 team the way they run their offense, and we don't really see it too much. We see a lot of times conservative running multiple backs, like a Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake, pound the ball, solid defense. But they go to, have, to go along with one of the best defenses in the country, they have arguably the best offense in the country and this I have no real knock on LSU other than that they're not Alabama and I until proven otherwise I can't see any team really contending with Alabama yeah I mean I don't have a lot to add on this I I hate when we all agree and we all go chalk but <laughs> it's Alafrican Bama so I, I don't really know what else there is to say uh, until someone proves that they can beat this team I think it would be really foolish to pick against them. I'm also picking Bama. Um, our next matchup is Penn State at Michigan. Michigan, I believe, if the rankings hold right now, will be in the college football playoff. Um, Penn State is just out of it, although they did pull out a win over Iowa last week. What are we thinking? Do I have to pick one of these teams? You do. I feel like I've been flaming both of these teams the last couple weeks. So, and it hasn't so let, paid out well for me. For, for people that aren't keeping score at home, last week Carter picked Iowa over Penn State. That didn't come through. Uh, if you haven't heard, Carter picked Michigan to fall apart against Wisconsin, I believe is, is a good way to sum it up. That, of course, didn't happen. Uh, and and now they're ro- playing each and other. And got roasted by my mom in the process. That's true. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Honestly, I, I feel like I have to pick Michigan at this point because <laughs> – for no other reason than whenever I've picked against them, they've won. So maybe if I pick them, they'll lose. But that's not why I'm picking them. So you, you're saying you want Michigan to lose? Is that what no, you're no, saying? I'm just picking them to see what happens. That's my only <laughs> rationale. 
Wow. Some expert analysis, but it's a, a tepid take from a from a man. That's I still, <laughs> I will say this though. I will say this. Michigan has looked infinitely better these last few weeks than I thought they were going to look, and they've played impressive football. I think that it's good for the Big Ten that they're playing so well because they're in the playoff picture, and so I will pick them at home against Penn State. Yeah, I mean, you know how I'm going to pick. I'm picking Michigan. Um, and it's because this is the best Michigan team in the Harbaugh era. They, he finally has his quarterback. He finally has Shea Patterson. We have a great running game, outstanding defense. And frankly, Penn State hasn't looked good all season. They've really struggled. I can't remember the last time they really looked like the Penn State of last year. And you can chalk it up to the loss to Saquon Barkley, you know, loss of some key guys on the defense, but I believe the game's at home and in the big house. Biggest game of the season, huge test for, for Jim Harbaugh. And I, you know, they've passed every test this season and until I see otherwise, I think they're gonna pass another one. I think the real test, we're gonna wait for Ohio State. But this one, I think they pass. I think it's a pretty easy midterm for them. Their final against Ohio State and whoever they face in the Big Ten championship game, that'll be the, uh, I think that'll be the real test. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. I don't know what your major is exactly, but PPE. midterms can be pretty hard. And uh, I think that Michigan is going to need to study pretty hard for this midterm. I, kn I know Penn State on is on the road. I know Michigan is the higher-ranked team. But the Nittany Lions are scrappy. They play tough. And... Uh, it's a Big Ten showdown, and in a Big Ten showdown, anything can happen. This is a very good conference with some very good football teams, and uh, you know I got I got a lot of respect for Michigan. We've talked about Michigan over and over again on this podcast. They're undeniably a great team, and you know I'm I'm not saying it's an obvious pick, but I think if you're if you're looking for an upset, I think this is the place to look. I, I like the Nittany Lions. You will feel the wrath of my mother. <laughs> She does not hold back. She will not hold back. She doesn't. She'll, she won't hold back. Well, uh, we'll just have to see. Um, we'll have to see what happens in that one. The line there is uh, Michigan minus 10.5, so they're pretty heavy favorites. Um, for our last game, we've got Georgia at Kentucky. Most seasons, this would not be considered a marquee matchup, but Kentucky is kind of having a renaissance, or... Is it even a renaissance if they've never been good? It's really, honestly, you could argue it's one of their best football years ever, yeah, period. I, I think so. Um, yeah, the, the line there is UGA minus nine on the road, but uh, what do you guys think about this one? You know, I think if it had been two weeks ago coming off of Georgia's loss, I think I would have picked Kentucky in this game. But after watching UGA, you know, really handle Florida and take care of business there, I've got to go with them in this one. I think that they just still have such a strong team with a lot of really good players, really good quarterback play, really good running backs. I think that you know Kentucky's been a really fun umbrella all year, um, and their running back Benny Snell, man, he's he's something special. But I I just can't see them beating UGA. But you know they are at home. Anything can happen. But I'm going with the dogs in this one. I, I can't believe I'm going to agree with Carter on all three picks, but I can't wow. pick against the Georgia Bulldogs. I haven't picked against them once on this podcast, and I can't do it again. Benny Snell might be something special, but their quarterback, Terry Wilson, with more interceptions and touchdowns, can't really say there's anything special there. Safe to say uh, Jake Fromm or Justin Fields, who have whichever Georgia quarterback waltzes in. Uh, you know, they have, the Bulldogs definitely have the edge on that front. A far more talented team, and... 
for all those, I mean, Kentucky's a Cinderella, but eventually it strikes midnight. So, uh, I think I don't I don't see them coming out. I don't see them coming out victorious against the Bulldogs. Yeah, I, it's too bad we didn't discuss these beforehand because we're we're agreeing too much. I'm also picking Georgia. Um, that's a really really good football team. They nearly won a national title last year, and and I I think it would be hard to argue that that they got worse. Um, Kentucky. You know, kudos to Kentucky. They they've been playing really well. Um, that the fact that we're even discussing this game, you know, as I said, is is a big credit to them. Um, and I mean, that, that's a school that obviously is usually more focused on basketball, but that they've managed to get the attention of their fans this season. Unfortunately, I think that um, you know, in the SEC, you're just going to come up against really tough competition. That even if you're having one of the best years in program history, that might not be enough. And I think. Uh, Georgia on the road is going to get things done against Kentucky. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Hard Nose Player of the Week. Um, each week, Carter, Mark, and I pitch the toughest athlete from Penn Athletics for the past week, and uh, a guest comes on and joins us to tell us who's best. This week, it's Kelly. You're a news editor and big sports fan. Yes. <laughs> that's why I'm here. Yes, Gage. and we're really glad to have you on the pod for the first time, and uh, happy to have you here. Do cool people call it the pod? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Not in the know. Good. <laughs> that's we invented that. That's nobody. Nobody else does that. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, who wants to go first, Carter? You want to? I can. Go? I can lead us off. So my nominee for the week is Penn football running back KK Brooks. He had 246 rush yards in their victory against Brown. It was a game that had terrible weather. It was raining. It was muddy. It was gross. And this man carried the football 36 times over the course of the game, which is an absolute ton for a running back. Um, He was the Ivy League Offensive Player of the Week, and his performance to me was the most hard-nosed. Can I ask a question? Yeah. How long is a football field? 100 yards. That's like more than two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The argument you made, no one's denying it's an impressive performance. You made an argument for MP, but for hard nose player of the week, I it has to go to backup quarterback to maybe starter Nick Robinson. To keep context, obviously the weather conditions were rough. He hadn't played all season. Starter Ryan Glover was struggling, so he came in cold off the bench. Hadn't really played all season. Uh, went 6-for-7 with a touchdown, led Penn's only scoring drive, and was the real difference maker uh, in a game Penn needed to keep their slim chances of an Ivy League championship alive. So, although he might not have had the most gaudy statistics, uh, what he did coming cold off the bench uh, to lead a scoring drive was uh, particularly impressive and I think warrants uh, the hard-nosed player of the week. I have another question. What is 6-for-7? 6 completions, 7 attempts. So he completed six out of seven of his passes. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) So my nominee for Hard-Nosed Player of the Week this week is Jake Kohlbrenner on the men's soccer team. He uh, had a goal in each of their games this weekend. Uh, And uh, there's a couple things to note about this. Um, One is that, you know, men's soccer has had a a tough season. They're a, a very good defensive team, but they've had trouble getting offensive production. And to have someone score in back-to-back games over the same weekend is really impressive. Additionally, these were really highly needed goals. 
Both games were 2-1 victories, uh, including a 2-1 victory over Brown in overtime that marks their first Ivy League, Ivy League win of the season. Um, and the, if you don't know, the way that overtime works in soccer is that after they play a full 90 minutes of soccer, the game's still tied, then they get an additional 10 minutes to keep playing, and they have what's known as a golden goal. And so that means that all you need to do is score, and the time stops, the game's over, and you win. And it's really high pressure, really exciting, and uh, Jake Colbrenner just came out there, got past the Brown defense, put it in the net, and Penn got their first Ivy win of the season. Then they came back the next day and beat Delaware the same way. So he's my nominee. In overtime? Uh, I don't. That one didn't go to overtime, but it was another two-one victory. So he he scored the um, the goal that they needed to win. But yeah, not in overtime. Right, so now I choose. Yes. All right, I'm gonna go with the soccer dude because he did the same thing twice. And your guys are good, but like they only have one only game a week. <laughs> well, I guess that's their fault. <laughs> 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 this guy was about as twice, and so yeah. That. I'm too soccer man. Excellent. Jake, shout out Jake Colbrenner. Amazing games this weekend. Um, really, really good job. And thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. Um, that's another episode of the Penalty Box. Thanks to DP Sports and the DP for sponsoring us. Mark, you look like you want to interject. I'm just pissed I lost again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the DP and DP Sports for sponsoring us and Allie Johnson, who's the podcast editor. We'll be back next week. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about